Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. This time we have a roundtable with our partner, National Nurses United. Today is Saturday, July 16th, 2022. July is American Diabetes and National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. We have Miss Adelina Marshall. She's a, vet- a VA mental health RN and a veteran. She's also going to talk about patient care and safety, particularly in this age of telemedicine and all the new things that are going on and all the new gadgets we got going on to try and understand how to connect with our doctors and nurses and healthcare providers. We're going to explore that a little bit and see what's going on. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and how are you? And Pretty thank good. you for having the show and our listening audience for tuning in today so that we can provide them valuable health information. So what is new in today's world when we talk about trying to connect with, you know, we used to talk about patient care and safety. What's new in this world that we are living in today when it comes to that? Well, for patient care and safety, one of the biggest problems right now is uh, hospitals and the VA struggling to hire and maintain their healthcare personnel. Um, we're very extremely short on nurses. One of the reasons in the government is because the pay is always below uh, surrounding areas. And they also have an antiquated hiring process. And that process is also related to 7422. So it keeps the unions from being able to bargain for pay uh, in in the government, any government sector, but especially at the VA. So many of our nurses that are there either have retired or they're leaving to take higher-paying jobs as the private sector benefit package starts to equal or outpace the governments. The other thing is we have many nurses who are retiring, their retirement age, and really who have worked past retirement just to fill in some of the gaps to care for our patients. So it's become a safety issue uh, in in the entire country for um, delivery of safe care to our veterans. Um, As we get more junior nurses, they don't have the experience in in care, providing care that many of our more senior nurses have. So while you learn things in the book, we all know that in the reality of life, things change, and experience is what make you more aware of that. So it seems uh, like the, uh, over, the, over the last you know, you know, 20 years, 30 years maybe, I've been always hearing that there's always been a shortage of nurses, that there's a shortage of nurses, and that you know, there's always this hiring. And there's even when you turn on TV, there's all these commercials telling people you can get a career in nursing. All you got to do is just you know, to give us you know, all your debt and, uh, and join our program, and we'll get you uh, become, become a nurse in six months or whatever. So all these different right. things we're hearing all the time. Is the problem getting worse? than what it was before? We, we hit a critical mass? Years, but the last administration 
um, underhired the needs as people were leaving and retiring from the government, the last administration underhired. Now we're playing catch up. And don't forget that uh, we've had COVID and now we have a new variant out. And our nurses and healthcare personnel are not immune um, to contacting this. So even where I work at last week, the week before, we had 40 staff members out, uh, not just with COVID, but they also have other health issues. But many of it was related to COVID. Mm. Um, you know, we put our guard down and then we go to parties and, you know, we've had graduations. We've had um, July the 4th. People want to get out and they put their guards down and then they get infected. And this is also for our staff members. Um, they, they too want to participate in activities with their family and friends and, um, then they, they get infected. So that's also has contributed to, um, a big portion of the shortages, uh, in the hospital. And then when COVID started, a lot of healthcare personnel went ahead and retired because they didn't know that much about COVID. They didn't want to get exposed to COVID because of their own health issues, and many of them left the healthcare field. Another thing that I think the public is not aware that once you become a nurse, there's so many doors are open for you. You can work in a you can work in a private industry. You can work for insurance companies. You can work. Um, the jails need nurses, the um, private sector who cares for the elderly, who cares for children that have disability. They need nurses. And so we can't even produce enough nurses to manage the amount of jobs that are available now for nurses. And then another thing we have that is affecting health care is the hospitals are sending patients home earlier and then they're letting their family members care for them. The family members do not have the knowledge needed to recognize infections or even just recently someone was sharing a story with me on someone who had a compression um, apparatus on their arm and they didn't take it off at night and they left it on and then it ended up interfering with their circulation then they come to the hospital, their hand is all black, and their fingers are starting to fall off. Wow. And here is somebody who was sent home to manage their own health care and having family members to help them who, you know, don't even have any knowledge as to what's right or what's wrong or how long should you allow this to stay on or how often should I give you a pill, um, you know, just because you're calling for it, is it, in the prescription that you should have it every two hours instead of every four hours. And so that increases the complication. And then um, those patients will come back to the hospital and they'll need more advanced care. A lot of our veterans are coming in with more comorbidities, and those are multitude of things. It could be heart disease. It could be diabetes. It could be uh, breathing issues. And they wait to seek help, and then by the time they come in, again, you need more skilled health care. So this is a contributing um, to the problem. I even got emails today from nurses telling me they can't even get their lunch break. They're working through it. So 
Some of them are working 12 hours and can't even take time to get lunch break because they're short. And they're not stopping admitting the patients. They keep admitting them. So we have some places that uh, someone told me about a hospital outside of Denver in Colorado that the emergency room closes at 5 o'clock because they don't have enough people that can take blood and that can care for those patients after that period of time. Wow. So what do you think about telemedicine? Is that a solution for um, trying to solve this problem, people getting care at home? Because it seems like well, the, this issue is not getting any better. I'm not, and, what, and, and on top of that, what is the solution? How do we get more nurses? Like I said, we got all those, you know, those for-profit schools. We got, you know, ITT and all these different places and, you know, saying, you know, hey, join. We can get you and be, become a nurse in six days or whatever and give us $100,000 in debt. You know, so how do we get more nurses on the payroll? But then also, too, I tele- think uh- – the junior colleges, which we have many here in the Chicago area, do offer nursing programs, mm-hmm. but they can maybe offer more scholarships and grants to those who want to go into the program if they meet meet that uh, economic uh, need for that. They could, uh, because of the, the, the problem with obtaining education one of them is the cost of that education, and people don't want to be straddled with that. So if they could make it where it's affordable through grants and through scholarships, we would probably get more nurses. We need more minority nurses. We need more Hispanic nurses because that population is also increasing and in seeking uh, help. We need more nurses in the community that look like us. So we got to make a way to um, to get them interested in school and give them the support that they need to get through the program. Uh, I worked two jobs going to school. I worked in the factory in the evening, and I worked on a weekend at a children's hospital and went to school during the day. But many people can't do that, and many people have children that keeps them from being able to work like that. And then, you know, in the last two, three years, there are a lot of job loss. Now everybody's playing catch-up, and um, there is a shortage uh, in the job market overall. So we have to do things that's going to make nursing um, more interesting to the, to the general public and let them know that you don't have to be 18 and 20 years old to go into nursing. You can be 30, you can be 40, you can be a more mature person who's looking for a career change, and nursing would offer that. And the reason why I brought up um, and facetiously brought up, you know, some of those for-profit schools, because a lot of people were going to nursing and going into nursing type programs, medical programs, and were getting proper education. A lot of these schools were not preparing people really for the real jobs that they needed, the real skills that they needed to have and certifications that they needed to have. True stories. So you know, we had uh, like some young some youngsters were on extra on, on our show. And they were talking about how they went through all, they paid all this money and did all this and did everything the school wanted them to do. But then when they went to try to get their, um, to get hired, the hospitals and, and, and their nursing uh, um, hiring staff were saying, you know, you're not qualified. You don't have, you've not even done it, the minimum of what is required of a nurse. You need to go to a different program in order to get, you know, to get uh, trained, in order to get certified, in order to do what you got to do. You're absolutely right. A lot of um, the people who wanted to go into nursing chose schools that they can do online, schools that were not accredited. The government will not hire you if you're from a school that has not been accredited. 
Uh, other hospitals will not either because you're not coming in with even the basic education that you need. But all state schools are accredited. All your um, junior colleges are accredited. So those are good places to start. And those schools will start increasing the classes that they offer when people are showing more of an interest to come in. And then the government supports those schools. So, therefore, they may give them more funding to accommodate um, the education. And, and that brings up another issue. We don't even have enough uh, nurses who are our educators. That's a big problem is trying to find those who went into education. Those that went into education who are educators, they've left those positions because they could make more money at the bedside or through agencies. And that's another thing so, we got to make sure we got mentioned is that the military is also a place to become an, an outstanding nurse, outstanding medic, an outstanding uh, medical physician. Um, when you join the military, you can get, especially National Guard, um, people don't remember oftentimes the benefits National Guard has, but you can go to any state school, whether it's a junior college, a four-year degree program, a state university like University of Illinois, University of California, you can go to Alabama uh, university. You can go to any state yep. university and it will cover all of your tuition. Right. Certain states do offer that. And that is a very good suggestion is to go into a military. Um, I know a lot of people have been into the military and have an excellent education from there. And that is in nursing. Many of our nurses in the VA are veterans and they got their training in the military. Mm-hmm. Some of them became dental assistants, uh, doctors even from being in the military. So uh, even Dr. Arnold was in the military. That's correct. So we um, have to look at that and, and look at these programs that are offered and, and available. And the public needs to be very conscious of their own health and maintaining it and trying to be on top and, and support each other. We're constantly educating our veterans uh, when they come in hoping that when they leave out, they'll share that education with their family and friends and loved ones. And so what do you think about telemedicine? So telemedicine is very good for especially rural areas that there's some areas they can't even get doctors. They can't get OBGYN doctors. And so telemedicine reaches that population who may not even want to come into the hospital or feel comfortable having that interaction over the phone, I, I think is good for mental health. That's a start that if people are having some concerns about it, that maybe if they seek out for telehealth, they'll be able to get some support there and um, given more information uh, about the process of getting care and follow up. So I, I've done telemedicine, especially at the height of COVID, I've done groups over the telephone, and I enjoyed it, and the patients enjoyed it. It was it was, it was a very good um, process to reach a multitude of people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that might be a solution for this nursing shortage? Well, once again, the solution is to increase interest in caring, um, you know, for other people. But even if you are a nurse and you don't want to do bedside care, there's, like you said, telehealth. Uh, you can work at insurance companies. There's uh, other hospitals. You can work in a clinic. 
Um, uh, there's so many things that are available to nurses that I can't even name all of them. And they were not available when I went through nursing school. But through the years, I'm just amazed at how many other job situations there are. I mean, you can even work um, from home. And you can do, you can look at charts and, and review charts to make sure people are getting the adequate care. So if you're interested in nursing, please reach out to your junior colleges, your state schools. There are many wonderful programs. I am a nurse that came out of a junior college. I don't think if that junior college was available to me that I would have been able to become a nurse. So a junior college is a good place to start. Your state school programs are good places to start. They have a lot of oversight. So if you go there, you know you're going to be able to get a job somewhere. Uh, a lot of these other schools, they, you know, they're enticing because people want an easy way out. But the reward is at the end. Yes, you're going to have to study, and yes, you're going to have to go to clinicals. Yes, you have to do all that. But once you're finished, then you make your own, you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. It allows you to even travel. We actually we do have nurses that go to other countries and work. That that creates a shortage for us too. Hmm. And keep in mind, once again, you can join the National Guard either through the U.S. Army, go into the National Guard, be an Army National Guard person, and get your school paid for. Get your your state or or local school tuition 100% paid through the programs through uh, the military or the Air National Guard through the Air Force. And you can do it. And that a, way. a lot of things. Yeah, they don't understand the military now has changed. It's like a job. Mm -hmm. uh, many situations, uh, the military working nine to five. Oh yeah, and you're getting a paycheck, and plus you're getting all these wonderful benefits. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage anyone. As a matter of fact, I've encouraged many of my family members who are veterans to have gone into the military, and it was all good. They came out doing wonderful things. Hmm. What are the what's the pay like for a person who's a nurse? It was here these. I know there's there's a wide um, disparity and not disparity, but the wide range of the of the types of levels of nursing you can go into. But what's the pay range that you can expect? I think the entry level nurse right now, who's an RN, is probably coming in in the high fifties to sixty thousand dollars. That's entry level with no experience. Once you get experienced, those numbers go up. Um, some of our MPs just got a 30% pay raise. Wow. Because we monitor what's going on in the private sector. So some of them are making 120, 130, 40, 50,000, and that's without um, overtime. We have nurse anesthetists who are making uh, over 160, 200 and some thousand dollars. And that's a feel that is growing and there's a big need for that to become a nurse anesthetist. You can get that that in the military. Some of our programs uh, that the VA offers, um, the the training is on military basis. Hmm. Now what's the daily grind like for, for being a nurse? Is it, I know it's, a, it's not an easy job. I've, I've talked to a lot of nurses and worked with a lot of nurses and things like that. It's not an easy job. What's the grind like every day? So I've had enough jobs to be able to compare nursing to any standard area that you're going to go to. You have to 
you have to work. But there's other areas that is not as hard. It's not as emotionally um, draining. Uh, many of our nurses are dealing with compassion fatigue because they have to have compassion. But we have nurses that are working in the clinics. We have nurses that are working in um, in GI. Uh, there, I'm telling you, everywhere. And you get your satisfaction from seeing your patient recover or if they're not going to recover, to be able to give them that compassion and sympathy about what they're going through. A lot of them don't even, especially our veterans, don't even have family members that are available to them to provide that. And so a VA nurse does that. We are professionals. We are federal employees. And that's something to be proud of. Nursing is a pride profession. You go all over the world, you say you're a nurse, everybody um, pays attention and respect that you are a nurse and being able to provide care to people. That's really important, I think, too, having that compassion because compassion, particularly in the healthcare field, is something is that you, I mean, that's probably, I would say, one of the number one things you need to have. I mean, there's people that are qualified, but then if you don't have that compassion, that changes your whole experience, and particularly for a family, having to go through a family member who might be, you know, very, very ill, maybe they're terminal. If you don't have a person that's compassionate, that's helping you, that changes your whole uh, life. That can, that can be a, a, a terrible experience if you don't have a compassionate person on the other line or the other side of that, that bed just helping you out. Right. I just um, Someone just shared an experience with me that they had a home health care person, and um, that person had to come from the western suburb to the city. And all they thought about is, well, I have to hurry up and get my Uber so I can get back home. Uh, a nurse don't look at the clock. We look at the patient, and we fulfill those patients' needs. And the VA nurses are one of them because we get our same patients over and over, and they've become like family members to us. But also um, there's recent talk from the VA that the unions have caused some of the problems and delay hiring. We have not. We I've looked at some papers since 2011 where we've tried to get them to increase the nursing staff. What happened was when COVID started and the last uh, administration did not look at the needs, they're, they're not good in projecting forward. It's always a knee-jerk situation. Oh, now i got to do this. No, you have to plan for it. And um, it's hard for them to look forward to doing that. But this administration is a lot better. At least they're addressing it. And every time they turn over another secretary of the VA, it sets us back. And the last administration, people were leaving. You know, hopefully this administration, they'll stay and we have the leadership we need to make the VA the forefront of health care. So give me some, uh, just a little brief snippet. We have a couple of minutes. Why, w- why, would, the, the, why th- would things slow down if there's a new secretary for the VA? Well, over? So when you bring people in that are new, you lose that momentum that you had. You'll bring people in with different views of what what is needed and what is not needed. They never build on what is already there. They're now trying to start their own legacy or fulfill the requests of whoever's in leadership at that time. So in the past administration, we had someone that really didn't care about about our veterans and about the everyday person. 
So now we have somebody who is trying to, they got to play catch up. You know, it's like somebody came in with a wrecking ball. And of all the momentum we have made during Obama administration, administrations like that, that was very vested, then that was torn apart. So now we have to keep this going. Whatever the VA, the positive things they have going, they need to build on that. They need to step back and look at the things that need to change. We have a changing population that we're caring for. We have a lot of more vets coming in with mental health needs, and we need the uh, educated workforce to, to deal with that. And education, I do mean, you know, junior colleges, state colleges, uh, experienced personnel should want to come and work at the VA. They have to overturn the hiring practices. They need to review that. We will hire nurses, and it takes them two and three months to be boarded. And if someone can kill somebody in a matter of minutes, they'll know the whole background of that person. Wow. But coming in VA, it takes them two and three months. People need a job. Somebody else has offered me a job. I'm going to go there. And so we lose the ones who've come. We've had staff who have ghosted. They've been hired. We went through the whole process. But for whatever reason, they won't show up. So a I'm nurse, thinking that you actually have a nurse that actually is going through all that training. Are you leaving nursing on together just going to a different hospital? They, they, just, they just leave. I don't know if they've gone to another hospital, but they probably have. They, they may be hedging their bet on who's going to hire them. And then all of a sudden, you got three offers. Wow. So I'm not going to go with the VA because the pay, they're not matching the pay that I left. And the, and the, pay, the pay raises are too slow to come. Hmm. We have nurses that have been a nurse one for nine, ten years. Wow. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Nine, so they're going, change, they're going to have to change the process wow. to attract um the better workforce, who I do feel should be coming to the VA. Our veterans have fought for us. Looking at this war every day on the news, I know that I would not be able to do that. It breaks my heart that I can't go over there and help them. And it makes me more aware of what our veterans who have been in wartime have experienced. Adelina Marshall, thank you for your time. Sounds like a lot of politics going on in the VA sometimes, especially when it comes to hiring, getting these nurses on board. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.